You know how some people say they have a security blanket? Well, my sister Jessica had a security towel. She got it from my grandmother, so it was really special to her. But over time, this white towel got a little more dingy and dirty to the point where this towel was nasty and it stunk. And I remember one day she took that towel and she went to school with it. And of course, a local bully saw her and took the towel from her. That's where little brother Bobby stepped in. I went in there and I found that bully and I took that towel from that bully and I shoved it down his throat. I bet that towel was really, really tasty, Tim. Bobby, thank you so much for sitting down here with me. I really appreciate you taking oh, the time today. One second. Before we leave, if you don't mind if I do one thing. Sure. I just want to say hello to my sisters. Kathy, Jessica, Francis, I love you. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The eighteen that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. John Pollock here along with Wei Ting. And it was July 23rd, 2012, that the WWE expanded Raw to three hours. And one of the discussions at that time was how people are going to feel after watching a pay-per-view followed by a three-hour Raw, and then you have SmackDown. Way I cannot envision a back-to-back showcase of WWE programming where I felt so fried as I was during the first hour of this episode of Raw, knowing how much there was left. These two nights of WWE has done a number on John Pollock. Wow. Well, not to mention... I'm barely, I'm barely here. Well, yeah. I mean, we were, we were supposed to do this show in person, but uh, <laughs> John typically drives over after every Raw to record at the post office up here uh, where I live. But today he texts me at like, about wait, I can't. He's like at eleven thirty he texts me, Wait, do you mind doing Skype today? And I'm like, I totally understand. Uh and Skype anytime is totally fine with me. So um I, I, I feel for you, man. I mean, in addition obviously to watching all this wrestling, you of course have a ten month old at home. So uh I can I can see how it's all wearing on you. Well, uh yeah, it's it's probably comparable having a a ten month old child and this current uh, WWE product. Uh, it's it's been a lot. Well, I could say like I mean for my schedule, like I I know better now. You know, like I my <laughs> life is basically nocturnal now in large part because of my professional wrestling consumption schedule. Like mm-hmm. I know I have to do these shows. I know, like, I have to basically kind of carve out my evenings from probably, like, 8 o'clock onwards until about 3 a.m. when we're finished and we're uploading these shows. So, like, I wake up late, and and I probably don't don't feel the the drain that you do right now, but I know you work during the day as well. Yes, I woke up at 8 this morning, so that that was the start of my day after we finished. What time did we finish on Sunday? I don't even know. All these these times are just uh, a blur to me. Uh, But we do have quite a bit of uh, news to discuss. Uh, First of all, want to mention, Friday, Ring of Honor is going to be in town at the Ted Reeve Arena with War of the Worlds. Do you realize it is 10 years that ROH has been running at the Ted Reeve Arena way? It's a a celebration, a decade at the Ted Reeve Arena, a place I had to look up the first time they ever ran a show here. 
yeah, I'm surprised that they they're still there. Uh, it's I mean, I guess it's proven to be a pretty sufficient venue. For, for yeah, it holds it holds about fifteen hundred. It's a yeah. it's a good sized venue. I like the layout of it. It's it's simple. There's nothing glamorous about the Ted Reeve Arena. In fact, in the summer, it uh, there's uh, glamour would be the last word you would attach to it. But May is fine. It's not extremely hot inside, so May is May is fine. The weather's not crazy yet. Yeah, there's no garbage strike going on. Uh, where they used the Ted Reeve Arena parking lot as the uh, garbage dumping, dumping ground. ground for the entire di- uh, district at one that was time. Not good. But uh, it, the Ted Reeve, I would say, like for us, has kind of become, uh, yeah, like sort of for long time Toronto wrestling fans, it's sort of become like a bit of a meeting place now. Yeah. So you and I are going to be going to that show on Friday. So for anyone that is going to be in the area, uh, do pop by, do say hello. Grab Wait, a, are you going to grab a sticker? You have stickers? Oh, oh, of course. Wow. Yeah. Well, that sounds exciting. Stickers. I am just looking at uh, this lineup here. And. Below is a list of Ring of Honor stars appearing at the signing, as well as our pricing options to ensure that you get all the autographs you want. Don't miss your opportunity to miss the star. Okay, so it's got each person with a dollar sign next to them. I've never seen this before. Whoa, where are you looking at this? So are you on the site? Uh, ROHwrestling.com. Go to live, the tab on top, and then scroll down the second item down for War of the Worlds in Toronto. Okay. So, and then so, click on so you can see how much each wrestler is worth. Interesting. Basically, I don't think I've ever seen this like uh like per person. This can't be each. There's no way. Oh, of Flip course Gordon. It is. Flip Gordon is thirty dollars for yeah. an autograph. Well, okay, so I'm looking at this this list right now, and then you can you can follow along at roh rohwrestling.com and go to live, as John said, and then um, but I mean the base price it seems for almost everybody is thirty dollars. Okay, so this comes with a 8x10 and a posed photo you get. Um, God bless Sumi Sakai, but I feel she's going to be very, very lonely during this autograph session with a $30 price tag. Hey, I don't know if you've been to like any type of convention lately, but that's that's sort of the going price for a lot of people, like for, for wrestlers or for any type of you know uh, celebrity at these types of conventions. I've explained my... Like, I don't comprehend autographs. I don't understand... like. I don't look at that. I get a photo. I understand people want to have a memory, a photo of meeting somebody. But an autograph to me is something that's just, I could never fathom paying somebody for a signature. It depends uh, what, what you're getting them to sign. I guess you're getting an item signed. So yeah. maybe. Like know, if, I, if I had a Liger mask and it only, you know, it costs $30 to get Liger to sign it, of, of which you can at the Ted Reeve Arena, 30 bucks. Um, I think to me that's, definitely valuable if i have an lij head and i wanted naito to sign that there's not many opportunity for me to get that done probably any time in my life so i could totally see that okay we're gonna quickly go through this and we're gonna play buy or sell for waiting the enthusiastic wrestling fan okay it's okay, gonna I'm be gonna... it's gonna be no pretty much for everything because i don't okay let, autographs. let's let's say you were an autograph collector and money was not a huge obstacle okay. let's say you were i you think were open to this idea i think uh brayden harrington and I would say Davey Portman are much better uh, litmus tests for, for this type of question. But I'll, I'll play okay, along. Okay, well, let's do this then. Assume what uh, buy or sell based on Braden, okay? okay. If, he would, if he would spend this money on this particular person, okay? Yeah. Sonata at $30. Pr- probably not. I mean, I'm knowing Braden probably doesn't have that much money to spend. So I, I have to be very careful 
uh, very very conservative with my budget here. Uh, Bushi at thirty dollars, definitely not. Naito forty, I think he'll do well. That's a maybe. Yeah. Oh, his line will be long. I, I don't doubt that. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi at thirty, I think he'll do very well. He'll do well too. Yeah. I mean, essentially, right now we're talking. Okay, so basically, you could just read off the list, and I'll tell you. Like the difference between thirty and forty is very minimal. If I want somebody's autograph, forty dollars is not going to make. Uh, a difference, right? Uh, Evil and Jushin Liger are all priced at 30 as our Rapongi 3K. Liger, I, I think Li- Liger's underselling himself. Liger will always be very popular. Uh, to like North Liger America. is a photo op wrestler. Yeah, 100%. I imagine his line to be very long. Naito's will be very long. I think Hiromu's will be long. Uh, and of course, any of the elite. Yeah. Um, you got Jay White at 30, Rocky Romero at 30, Cody and the Bucks at 40. They'll do well. Adam Page, smart man, pricing himself at 30. Dalton Castle, 40. Flip Gordon, 30. <laughs> Sumi Sakai, 30. Uh, I, if five people spend that on Sumi Sakai, <sighs> that will be four more than I'm predicting. Those are the worst. Like, I, I always feel bad for the people without any people waiting for them at the line. Like, the lonely mm-hmm. Virgil meme. And somebody always gets that spot. I, all, I mean, listen, I know she's the, cha- the champion. You 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 should show respect and give her a table. Did you uh, see that match at Supercard of Honor? or Did you fall asleep? I would. I didn't fall asleep, dude. I, I watched that whole thing. Yeah, it was a bit disappointing. Yes. And then Tennille Dashwood, thirty dollars as well. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. All right. Well, Jushin Liger, Sumi Sakai, thirty dollars will get you an autograph for one of those. You're gonna have to make those uh those important decisions with your dollars. And John uh, Pollock, a free. Okay, I will be uh. <laughs> I will be roaming around, and if... Uh, John Pollock's anyone... a $40 uh, photo and an autograph. As for his autograph, oh, how amazing would that be? Please don't. Please don't. I'll take photos, but I don't I do not do autographs. Uh, so then anyway, that's on uh, Friday. Uh, we also have some news. It was made official on Monday that Tetsuya Naito, Chris Jericho, will be taking place at Dominion on June the 9th. Uh, Wait, this is quite the weekend you're taking a vacation for. Oh, man. I feel terrible. Like, I had this booked way in advance. Um, I, I had it booked, like, only thinking about, like, SummerSlam. So I I, I, will, I will definitely be back for, for... Sorry, Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank. Never mind. Yes. Yeah, I'll definitely be back for Money in the Bank. But I had the week set up prior thinking, oh, there's nothing going on. So I could probably take this week off before SummerSlam. Uh, but, of course, we have this incredible Dominion card that I, I will sadly miss. So this is the card so far for Dominion. Okada, Omega, two out of three falls. Jericho, Naito. Evil and Sonata against the Young Bucks for the IWGP tag titles. Hiroki Goto versus Michael Elgin versus your man Taichi for the never open weight title. Uh, traditionally, they've always done the winner of the best of the Super Juniors also getting uh, the title shot. So that would be facing Will Ospreay would happen on this card. And they've announced Rey Mysterio for this show. And from what I understand, he will be wrestling on this show. Hmm. So they just haven't announced an opponent because you would figure that his opponent is going to be someone that's in the tournament and they can't tip their hand because that would give away the fact that, that person is not winning the tournament. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, I did um, ask someone about this. And yeah, because it, it wasn't really it was kind of vague in the announcement of is he appearing on the show or is he wrestling? And it sounds like he will be wrestling on this show. So this is a loaded card for Dominion and Definitely brings up what is going to be left for the Cow Palace, which they probably won't announce anything for until this card is over. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and who knows? Like, if the results coming out of this are that you know you have a new champion in Kenny Omega, I think you automatically have you know your headline. That'll right be big. There. Yeah, I mean, I doubt Jericho will be doing both of those shows, but um, it, I don't either. I, it, you know, like I think there's probably some rule for him, you know, not to not to work for New Japan stateside. I'm only speculating. I don't know. But no, I've, I listen, I've thrown out that same theory. I don't think he, he obviously he has no contract with WWE, but that to me was always a line that I didn't foresee Jericho crossing where it's it's one thing to work for New Japan in Japan. I think it's a different thing when you're working a major arena in the United States mm-hmm. and knowing Vince McMahon's mentality of what he views as. Uh, a direct competitor or not. And mm. it, I'm not saying Jericho wouldn't ever do it, but it would surprise me if he did a U.S. date for New Japan. Yeah. So uh, for the for the Cal Palace show, I certainly expect you, the, the ticket sales to probably ramp up a lot more closer to the event after Dominion. Do you think a lot of people are just going to forego that Cal Palace show and they're focused on all in? Very possible. Yeah, very possibly. Mm. Uh, but again, you know, for some people, it's, much easier to make it to uh, probably San Francisco than it is to Chicago. And uh, you're not also guaranteed to, you know, see all of the new Japan roster at all in. You're only really going to be guaranteed to see uh, the young bucks. So what's, what's your prediction? Tickets go on sale this Sunday for mm-hmm. all in. Uh, what do you think? First day ticket sales. Let's, let's go with roughly what's been sold at the cow palace. Do you see higher or lower than 4,000 tickets the first day? I think it'll do really well. Um, will it do 4,000 on the first day? I will say the Cow Palace sold that on the first day. That's the that's the estimate mm. around that, that ballpark. Oh, I'll, I'm going to say yes. It'll be higher. Yeah. I think it's going to be right around that figure. I think right around 4,000 or so. But you're going to have several months where these two shows are competitors for one another. Because I mm-hmm. think that a lot of people are picking one or the other. As they're, as a traveling wrestling fan, I think it's a big ask to assume, even if someone travels a lot for wrestling shows, that you throw in SummerSlam weekend uh, that's sandwiched in between all of these. Mm-hmm. I think that if if you're looking at those three events as your big summer traveling shows, that the Cow Palace is the one that people would probably skip. Also, I mean, it's it's a great test of the Chicago market too for this type of show uh where you know i think we know maybe what what california can do i think there's a huge hunger in a in a in an area like chicago that hasn't necessarily been satiated uh by a big show like this yet so i think i i think you know that will be a very interesting result to see uh and for a fan going choosing between the two shows you're essentially going to both like based off of the roster themselves you you don't know any of the matches that are going to take place it's basically, you know, how big are you, of a fan of a fan are you of Kenny Omega, Okada, the Elite, and uh, are you willing to, you know, go to one show or go to another show? Personally, I'm a bit more interested in All In just because of of the story behind it and uh, the fact that it is like, yeah, you know, as uh, about as independent of a show as I think we would ever see of, of this scale. And news for you, way is there have been. There's a renewal of Total Divas for two more seasons. Oh boy, I can't wait! Can't wait for more debate, John. That was uh, that was the best part of our show on Sunday, I think. For some people, yeah, yeah. Will you be watching? Will you be watching this season? 
uh, of Total Bellas or the next Total Divas? Bellas. Uh, Total Bellas, I I will probably tune in when you tell me they're getting towards the end of the season. Okay. I'll probably I'll probably watch near the end. I, I don't see myself watching the entire season. You say that now, but come on. We'll find out. All right, let's uh, get into Raw. Oh, let's go over our shows for this week. We always forget to do this at the beginning of the show. Uh, as always, we always have busy weeks, folks. We have uh, SmackDown Tuesday night. Wednesday, we're going to have Keep It 2000 with Brian Mann and Nate Milton reviewing the July 24th, 2000 episode of WCW Monday Nitro. Thursday, we've got Up Next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. Those two will also be attending Ring of Honor on Friday. And then on Friday, we have our special Patreon bonus show with Way and I reviewing the Survivor Series 1996, which is a show Way has never reviewed because in in the uh, the previous life, Way was away when I reviewed this show with Arta Ocal. And isn't it interesting that on Sunday, Arta Ocal will be joining us for the post-wrestling roundtable? Fascinating. Isn't that amazing? That's perfect. Actually. That was not planned. It just has fallen out of the sky like this. Yeah, what a coincidence. Yeah, really. Uh, so uh, what's up with Arda? I don't know. That's why we're going to have him on. Oh, okay. Yes. The this... man, it's, it's his birthday today. Wow. He and Kevin Owens. Him, Kevin Owens. Uh, Owen Hart. Owen Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, all sharing birthdays. And he just got married as well. So life changes for one uh, Orda. Or- Orda? Don't you remember the? Oh, you were were you there that night when we were on oh, the street in Montreal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I heard the story. I don't think I was there. He yelled out to Orda because him and me were walking back to our hotel, and then he was asking about you. He said, "Where's, where's Tintin?" <laughs> That's right. Yes, <laughs> yes, Tintin. So it'll be a great reunion mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday with uh, Arda Ocal yep. joining us on the roundtable. Now we head into Raw Monday night. At the Nassau Coliseum, in front of a flatlining crowd in Long Island, on Long Island, New York. They really earned their rep on this show, I thought. Uh, No Ronda Rousey on this show. She is off in Fiji, where she is filming for Shark Week. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Corey Graves opened up the show saying, there is no time to recover. The WWE Universe experienced the backlash last night. Mm. Somewhat fitting. Yeah, we kind of did. Kurt Angle came out. He said he's been part of the WWE family for 20 years. Mm. That's that's with a very long separation amongst the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, except for those, God, 11 years. Um, He says we never stop. We go 52 weeks a year, and he just instantly turns the focus to one of his favorite events, Way, Money in the Bank. Um, a man he, that's ne- never competed in this, yeah. in this event or this match, but one of his favorites. He probably watched every year of those 11 years that he was not around. It's like, this year, Money in the Bank is in Chicago, which was one of my favorite Money in the Banks with that guy, Phil. Maybe he's thinking of feast or fired. <laughs> he probably is. Uh, he confirms that there will be two ladder matches at the pay-per-view. One men's match, one women's match, and they will really kick butt. 
And they're each going to feature eight people, four from Raw, four from SmackDown. And that's how we're going to divide this. So that means, way we are going to get 16 qualifying matches. Which, after tonight, I didn't want to hear the term qualifying match one more time. Oh, I don't mind it so much. Come on. Like, they, the, the, these shows, there's a lot of time to kill before uh, uh, Money in the Bank. And I think having some, uh, you know, some something to work towards for all of these random matches on a Raw or a SmackDown is, is not a bad thing. I don't mind the qualifying matches. What I mind is the begging. The mm. begging of the GM. I wrote this on Twitter that it just it reminded me of all the, the post fight interviews where the fighters are just asking for that post fight bonus mm-hmm. from Dana. And it just got to be a lot on this show. Just going back, this this interruption by Braun Strowman may as well have taken place a week ago in my mind. That feels so long ago. And it was only three hours ago. Braun comes out and oh first uh Angle previewed what uh, qualifying matches we have tonight. We're, we're going to have two three-ways, one with the women, one with the men. But Roman Reigns was booed very heavily when he was brought up. So Braun comes out, and in the background, we had a, a Thanos sign for Braun. It, it was quite the Photoshop. This was a great sign. Yeah. This guy put some work into this. This mm-hmm. was way beyond the uh, dude with his name with an arrow pointing down. Yeah, he had two Infinity Gauntlets. So Braun tells... A childhood story about his friends building a treehouse and they had a secret handshake and they wouldn't let Braun up the ladder. So Braun waited for all of his friends to get into the treehouse and he knocked the tree down, supposedly murdering his friends. And Angle agrees that he does deserve a chance at the Money in the Bank ladder match. I I don't know if childhood (laughs) stories are Braun's forte. Oh, I I mean, he didn't give him a, <laughs> you're, you're making it sound like he gave him a chance at the money in the bank because of this story. <laughs> it tipped you Angle's call, hand. He, yeah. hadn't, he hadn't booked him in a match. And you after call, this, he got a match. You, well, I'm very impressed by, by their childhood story. You deserve a money in the bank qualifying match. You know uh, what? That's, that's cool. You probably <laughs> have ruined the, the lives of all those child's parents no. uh, by killing them. It's not that. He did mention that Braun had won the Greatest Royal Rumble, that Braun had uh, won the Tag Team Championships with the nine-year-old. Um, I, I Listen, I, I, I think Braun has a real talent for telling these really over-the-top comedic stories. To me, like his, his telling of something like this shows that he's not just a big, strong guy. He's not just, you know, your Heidenreich or, or your, I don't know. Uh, like uh, Matt Morgan's of the past. Like he's like, I mean, actually Matt Morgan can talk pretty well too. But like Braun is just not not just that type of guy. Because I feel like a pro something like this, a promo like this, a story like this would have died. Like if given to a, a a number of other talents on the roster. But I thought, what Braun, if not? What if Naya had to cut this promo? Gee, forget it. Comple- like you you would you'd be pulling your hair hair out. What little hair you have. All my friends had a treehouse. I was left on the floor. Don't be you. Who wants to be in a treehouse? You can be living it up. You can be different. And you can take the tree. <laughs> oh, God. Damn, you've debuted a number of new ones as of late. Uh, I, I've, I've had to up my game because it's just they're being thrown at me so quickly. I, I just can't. Your knives are strong, but I, I, I'd still say your WH Park is still probably, <laughs> probably my most recent favorite. Oh, wow. I got the uh, 
WH heard it. He gave his uh, his thumbs up <laughs> on on the impression. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> going back here, Kevin Owens came out on his 34th birthday uh, to a fraction of the re- reaction he had last week, and he deserves a spot in the ladder match. I really want to hear his rationale for why he deserved a. Uh, he gave it to you. He said he he actually like brought up the fact that he's a draw. That's why. Uh, he his logic was that, and he and Owens did a great job of walking us through this outrageous logic. His logic was that <laughs> last night, the wrong man was pinned in his match against Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. In fact, it was. Uh, it, I I heard I heard that even Lashley wasn't legal. So like Lashley pinned Owens, but I heard both men actually weren't legal. Anyway, whatever. So Owens claims that because the wrong person was pinned, that means. Lashley and Braun should have been disqualified, meaning that he should be the winner. That means he's on a roll. And for the outrage that was brought upon him, he deserves a Money in the Bank qualifying qualifying spot uh, in response. This is wrestling math. This is worse than MMA math. He demands Angle put him into the match, knowing that Stephanie is watching at home, which I highly doubt that. Angle makes uh, Strowman and Owens, and it happens right now. Strowman sends Owens into the referee, Derek Moore, and then knocks him to the floor, grabs him from the barricade, but then Owens lands a tornado DDT. Uh, They go back into the ring, and they got their signals crossed on this one spot where Owens was running the ropes, and I guess Strowman was planning to chokeslam him, and Owens just took a straight back bump as Strowman grabbed his throat so Strowman just lifted him right back up and delivered the choke slam, and we continued on. Strowman missed him in the corner. Owens super kicked him, hit a frog splash for a two count, and then Strowman sent Owens flying on the floor. He hit one running shoulder block. He hit a second one, and then the the peak, this third one, where Owens fully flipped over. Braun Strowman better be just thanking this man because this move is all Kevin Owens and his selling of these shoulder blocks, which he just took a bigger bump each time for these shoulder blocks. And this last one was incredible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, it's all on the person taking it. Um, but I like that move. Like it's so stupid. Like it's such a stupid brute force thing. There's it's the man- build up with him running. Yeah. The audience just loves, it's just chaos on the floor. He does laps around the ring. <laughs> Before connecting with this uh, shoulder block. Uh, and it gets a great reaction every every time he's done it thus far. And then he just put the birthday boy in the ring and hit a running power slam for the win. Bronze in the money in the bank ladder match. I was surprised that they gave Owens as, as much as they gave him here. I mean, it was certainly more than you would expect judging by their previous matches. Owens actually took like, uh, I would say a majority of this match it felt like. Uh, but by the end, you know, with the nu- three running uh, shoulder tackles and the power slam, I mean, it kind of made you forget about everything Owens had. Uh, I mean, all in all, I thought it was a pretty fun match. You know, a memorable narrative, and, and the running thing is really working with the audience. Mike Rome was in the back with Roman Reigns, and Roman called himself the uncrowned universal champion. But management doesn't d- agree, and he's been screwed. He's sick of the politics. But when the bell goes ding, ding, he gets to control that and silence the haters. When I go out to that ring and the bell goes ding, 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 ding. 
Yeah, he lost me. Well, uh, he's he's very upset, and he's going to control his yard tonight. Then he's going to get the money in the bank contract, because then he'll be in control of his destiny, which sounds like a lot of steps this man has to go through to control his destiny. It was a very determined promo from Roman. Um uh I can't I can't say it was one that necessarily made you <laughs> like him anymore. Uh it, it, it the lines were just quite corny. Yeah, he just see this character just feels in purgatory and it's almost keeping the show hostage until they make a decision on what they're doing with this guy. Well, he, this this is to the detriment of the show. This present presentation but, of Roman. But they're ma- they're building up a, an amazing heel. By doing all this, uh, but it only really has a value yeah. if if you fully pull the trigger on that. And mm-hmm. I mean, we've been talking about for years that this guy is ready to turn, and they have failed to do so. Well, I don't see how you can't do it now. Well, like um, you, you, we're jumping. I'm going to jump ahead, but like, just, like watching this main event, the portion of the match that he was not involved in felt like it wasn't as interesting. As, it wasn't as the portion that he wasn't in because this crowd hates him, but they love to see him get beat up. Yeah. And I think no one bought that this match was ending with Roman just disappearing mm-hmm. in the, in the crowd either. So there, there was a lot in that, in that match we'll get to. This was also the night of the selfie promo return, the resurrection. They're treating where, this a lot like like the Rumble, where like everybody on the roster thinks they have a chance at the Money in the Bank. Yeah, Bailey is a hugger, and she wants to climb the ladder and wrap her arms around the briefcase and hug the briefcase. Yeah, all of these are really bad tonight. That's the thing. It's I don't mind the idea of everyone cutting promos that they all have this goal in mind, but these promos are awful. Yeah, it's they're just bad, and the. The the dead silence of yeah. these two, like it just it feels like they are in a goddamn like silent room and it just feels like there's no life to these promos mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. Um Brizongo did a promo. They have been briefed on a new case, the briefcase. And there was something about using a bedazzled grappling hook. And I was not going to rewind this for context. Kurt was backstage with Goldust, who quoted Million Dollar Baby, and he wants to qualify for the ladder match. Jinder Mahal walks in, and I, if this singles match was made, I might not have made it. He complains about not being in the three-way tonight, and Reigns has been given so many opportunities, he has received none. Angle has pointed out the fact that Jinder has lost every match since coming here. And he has made a rematch with Chad Gable. And if Jinder wins, Angle will consider him for a Money in the Bank qualifying match. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So this is a qualifying qualifying match. Yeah. Maybe. You're qualifying for a maybe. You're not even qualifying for a qualifier. I'll, yeah, I'll say like I feel like throughout the course of the show, they did a good job making the Money in the Bank feel like an important show on the level of a Royal Rumble. Because it, it's something that evidently everybody wants to join. No Way Jose came out with his conga line, and this featured the camera man in the conga line so that you were you were in the the perspective of 
you yourself were in the conga line mm-hmm. coming out. Yeah, did you like, get into this one, John? I mean, if you if this show wasn't doing it for you yet, this match. They, they brought out No Way Jose with Apollo Cruz and Titus O'Neil, and they had the balls to go to break with the hook. When we come back, they'll be taking on Baron Corbin and the Revival. It's like, wow, you, you are really testing the ability of your audience to not go see what is happening in the playoffs right now. This first hour to me was a real, um, well, this was, this was quite the chore. Titus and Apollo have matching trunks. That was one of the, ma- the notes I made. They've been a t- uh, team for like months now. I, I've never noticed them having matching trunks. They could have had them from day one for all I know. But this was the night I noticed. Uh, Corey shared a story that he used to go out to bars with Baron, who would stand outside the bar and trip drunk people. That's assault. What an asshole. Like, who would do that and and take joy from it? Like, someone stumbles out of a bar, they're probably not even going to make it to their home without vomiting, and you feel the need to trip them. This is the character. These are the vignettes we need. A night on the town mm. with Baron. Him tripping Titus. <laughs> that'd be perfect. Be wonderful. There's your angle. Yeah. Apollo got a... And then, yeah, Titus can be... He can be the one being bullied. And, and we can transfer over the BS Star program with him and Naya. Uh, let's just go to the end of this. Uh, Corbin blind tagged himself in. No way Jose didn't notice this. He pressed Dawson in the air, hit the wind-up punch, turned around. End of days. Thankfully, end of match, 457. This was, this was a match that didn't stand a chance. Uh, unless you're a huge fan of Titus coming off of that uh, tripping thing, or if you're a huge fan of conga lines, or if you're a huge fan of Baron Corbin, which I, I don't think there are many of any of those things. I feel like these are six of the more forgettable names on the roster. Uh, it's interesting to note that I don't think Titus did any of the comedy stuff today. He didn't really... Uh, do any of the tripping or un- intentional falling as a distraction type of type of things. He's not a big fan of how much they've exploited that. He did this interview and he was <laughs> the question. Not. The question was something to the effect of, you know, are you, are you okay with this being uh, something you're really remembered by? And he's like, no, really. I'm, <laughs> I yeah. get it. I fell. I'm hoping we can move on from this. Like you could tell he's like, he has to be a good sport about it, but I totally understand where he's coming from. Of course you do. <laughs> After uh, Captain America. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I still feel, I feel a bit bad about that. But uh, again, like it's, uh, I could see that at the same time, I would tell Titus not to take it so seriously because it's, it's a joke. I th- but I also understand because every performer thinks of themselves as a future world champion. And when you're labeled as something like this, I mean, again, those you're you're done. Like, there's no way you will be that person anymore. Uh, I, I I also though, like, this is a company that has such a. It's like it's one thing to just laugh at something that's funny, and I'm sure to a lot of the audience that's all it is. But this is a company that could be really mean spirited, and that's where I think I, it, it it annoys me. Like, they don't look at this as it's just, they get the joy out of the torture that this guy has probably put himself through that this guy, his lowest moment, and we can just pounce on him. Well, I mean, they see it as breaking someone's balls. 
right? And then I I guess it's subjective about you know uh, where that line is of of you know playfulness and where it, you're actually I guess affecting somebody. I I would say that. I mean, if if somebody was in Titus's position, listen, th- that thing did get a lot of press, and he could have used it. Like if he embraced it, I feel like he would have come out of this as a more popular character. But he's clearly a guy who's not embracing it, not comfortable doing it, and he when he was told to do that stuff last week, didn't seem to like do a good job of it. So I think it would be a combination of all that. But let's say okay. Let's say somebody like a, oh, it's hard to say who, who would embrace something like this, but, um, mm. what if, what if this happened to Ric Flair? Okay. Well, Titus, o- Titus O'Neil is not Ric Flair. Uh, I'm trying to think of someone comparable. Let's, let's say, uh, I mean, if a heel had, had tripped like a Kevin Owens had tripped, I feel like he would have been able to use this to his advantage, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but I mean, Titus, you know, some people just, it's, it's, it, it, they, he's not as willing to maybe laugh at, at himself uh, in this way. Well, they lost this match and kind of lost me throughout. But man, what are they doing with Jose? Like, it's just like, the dude's been given zero character. He's just another guy who comes out and dances. This is exactly like, what I thought he would be. It was he. He will be an entrance, and that's it. But how about a promo? You know, tell me why I should care about you. Tell me, like, just just a bit, just something. Uh, ever since ever since you came up with that drug dealer thing, that's all I think of now with this guy. Is just this thing, like the entrance, the babyface entrance. I would say is so like superficial and so uh, I guess kind a little bit annoying that I would, it really does feel like it's a setup for a, a, a dark heel turn in the future, but it probably isn't. He's a great character though, to be that first opening match guy at every house show that the audience loves his entrance and they all get into. And I mean, there's a, there's a place for a no way Jose. It's just on television. I think you're just going to see a very marginal baby face that, it's just going to be there. But as a live event, if you were to take a child to a live event, I, I would imagine they'd leave and No Way Jose would be one of the people that leaves an impression on them. I could see that. Uh, SmackDown on Tuesday night in Baltimore will have three qualifying matches. Jeff Hardy versus The Miz, Daniel Bryan versus Rusev, and Charlotte versus Peyton Royce. Quite the eclectic mix. Backlash was the most social show on all of TV on Sunday. I would have loved to have seen the tweets that accompanied Backlash. They did not say the quality of the social level, but it was the most social. Yeah. The most talked about show. (laughs) Sasha Banks, Ruby Riot, and Ember Moon at a three-way. Very fast-paced sequence at the beginning with Sasha and Ember ending with Sasha slapping her. Riot did her head scissors uh, to drive Sasha into the turnbuckle, which was one of the most impressive maneuvers Coachman has seen in a while. He also said at one point, some might say Ember Moon is too young to win the money in the bank. And Coach had, I don't know if they're just intentionally setting him up to be the idiot on the booth, but tonight, some of his dead-end questions were just so stupid. And they 
they broke him down every single opportunity and it hurt the it hurt everybody like i hate i really detest these three yeah together like coach so a coach asked something like that some might say ember moon is too young to win the money in the bank first of all she's 29 she's <laughs> two years older than ruby Riot. she's three years older than sasha she is the oldest person in this match so <laughs> And, you know, the only reason why I would even, like, pay attention to a statement like that, because I usually tune him out, is because his broadcast partner, Corey Graves, was sure enough to, right there, to call him out. Um, and when They I don't say, let anything go. Well, when I say, like, it hurts everybody, I think, like, it's made Graves, like, way more of a, like, he was the same way with, with Booker. Like, he's he's just, like, it. sometimes it feels like he's paying more attention to what mistakes his uh, fellow commentators are making than the match itself. It it just feels like every opportunity there is to make fun of either Booker or or a coach here, he will dive right in and go for it. Um and I think it's made him a worse commentator. Yeah, and you and you have the flip flopping as well. He's it's one thing if he's the bully that's just busting on coach, but but coach is just presented as this fool. And then you have Cole I, I don't know and, if it's a presentation, dude. I think I think that's just him. Oh, I I very much believe it's just they're just like they're entertaining themselves at the expense of the broadcast. And then you have like when the Hardys come out, Michael Cole is now he doesn't understand it, and Graves is the in the babyface role, and then he's the one that turns on Elias, and Cole is backing Elias, and it's. I'm just I'm not a fan of this three man team at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's worse than the version with Booker. Yeah. I mean, maybe. that's that's a low bar, but it's beneath it. Cole brought up that 19 people have won the money in the bank, 16 have cashed it in successfully, and they put over Chris Jericho for pitching the concept in 2005. Uh Moon landed a reverse cross off the uh middle rope to Sasha. The crowd was dead here even though I thought the work was very good here. Um Banks did a somersault over the turnbuckle, taking out Logan and Morgan. Riot followed with a missile drop kick, and then Moon hit Riot with a suicide dive. And I'm typing down my notes, and the crowd starts going nuts. I'm like, oh, they got them. And I look up, and nobody is paying attention to the ring. There was a marriage proposal going on in the crowd, and everyone had diverted their attention and were chanting yes, as these women, I thought, were having a very good match, and none of them cared. Uh, Top rope hurt. Hurricane Rana by Sasha delivered to Ruby, and then Logan and Morgan made the save, attacking Sasha, which prompted Bailey to run down to help out Sasha. She shoved them down. Uh, Riot then uh, went for the Riot kick, was stopped by Sasha in the ring, who set up for the bank statement, but Moon came off the top with an eclipse that knocked both of them down, and she pinned Ruby at 1032. Uh, I, I thought this was... Uh, way better than any of the women's matches at Backlash. Oh, yeah. I, I, I thought this was really good. No question. I thought this was excellent. I thought all three of these women worked their asses off. I thought Ember's style really felt like it was taken right out of her hottest matches in NXT. And it seemed to, like, really invigorate the other two as well. I mean, I mm-hmm. thought Ruby looked excellent. I thought Sasha looked very good. And I thought Ember looked fantastic. Ember uh, and Sasha have very good chemistry and the, mm-hmm. uh, the interaction they had in this. This was this is a really well put together three way. Yeah, uh, the spots with the Riot Squad and Bailey I thought were designed well too. I mean, uh, we've complained about the Sasha Bailey angle, but I think it takes physical moments like this for them to really progress the story. Just to have the two of them like beg to, for each other to come out and and having nothing happen as a result, I think 
Uh, you just have to do more than that. The, and and like you mentioned, the only sad part about this was just whatever that marriage pro- pro- proposal going on in the crowd that happened to distract the audience and, you know, probably took the audience at home away from the match. So, But, you know, even before that, they were sitting on their hands for this match. Like, this yeah. was not a great crowd. Um, I guess so. Not to say this was the best show, but there was, you know, for this, it was like the audience was just... I mean, that's kind of the rep that Long Island has. It's not the most lively of crowds, and they lived up to it on this show. Moon was interviewed by Charlie and was asked about being an underdog in the last match, which was a very strange question to ask the winner of the match. How did it feel to be the underdog? That's not that and, strange. Well, I mean, what, what, are you, what are you so curious about? She beat them, so it's kind of irrelevant. Mm. Um, mm. She said... People have tried to put limits on me my entire life, and she rises to the occasion every time. I am skill, honor, and heart every time. And Those are the was... best parts of the promo. She started it off saying, I'm over the moon. Oh, God. I missed that. Oh, man. And again, like it's lines like that. It's lines like, when I'm in the ring and the bell goes ding, ding. That just like takes me right out of it. Uh, I, I didn't think this sounded natural at all, any of it. People have tried to put limits on me my entire life. I am skill, honor, and heart every time. Mm. Oh, then we went to our Bobby Lashley feature. I was praying when it went to dark that it wasn't going to be a selfie promo with Bobby Lashley. No, they had an actual feature on him. There were highlights of his amateur wrestling career. He's the son of a drill sergeant. Then he enlisted in the U.S. Army and wrestled for the Army. But a knee injury... Uh, stopped his Olympic dreams. He ended up meeting Kurt Angle. That led to his developmental deal. He was then called up way too early in his career in 2005 and went on to win the ECW title, headlined WrestleMania, which you have never seen such a great edit than this headlining WrestleMania with no context and no... Uh, showcase of any of the other participants in that match. He headlined WrestleMania by himself. No Walking one, out. <laughs> yeah, no one else was involved in that match at all. <laughs> and then we got stills of his Bellator fights before he returned to the WWE. And what I thought was the real like heart-wrenching moment of this was the fact that um, he went through a case of uh, he had this blackout spell where there were like eight years of his career that he doesn't remember anymore. (laughs) And they think that it might be, you know, PTSD or something that he had when he was in the army, but it's these eight years that are unaccounted for. He has no recollection of what happened. And it's this big mystery in his life of what happened, but he's back here in WWE. I think it's the same thing Kurt had. (laughs) So then we had a sit down with Renee with Bobby. Let me just tell you, by this point, I was really impressed at the amount of production they put into to it. I think, you know, we were all saying Bobby Lashley is coming in right now, and, and I think we all had pretty high hopes for him. But in the past weeks, I mean, they have been putting him next to Braun, which I think says something. But they've been using him as a setup guy, not necessarily treating him like a main event star, potentially. So a video like this, a reintroduction of sorts for Bobby Lashley, I thought was very, very welcome. This is how you can dissect a how serious the WWE is about somebody. It's not looking at like the quality of a promo. Mm -hmm. It's, it's looking at, okay, what are they going to spend their time and resources on? And when they're doing a video like this, 
it it's for a reason because they see something in a guy. They're yeah. not going to they're not going to go to this length for somebody that they have given up on. Mike Canellis is doing WWE.com YouTube interviews and Bobby Leslie gets a highly produced sit down interview and video package. So that's pretty much, you know, that the, the difference. So Renee and Bobby talk about his 10 year hiatus from life. And she asks him, tell us about Bobby Lashley. And Bobby just starts talking and talking and talking. First, he told a story about his three older sisters who he casually mentions would take him out, tie him up in the woods and leave him there for hours. He said hours. Like that's horrifying. (laughs) He said this so casually. And then he, you've never been tied up in the woods by your siblings and left for hours. Never. I can promise you that. Um, he went each sister. He had a story about, and they all had some like object attached to them, like a, a helmet, a towel that a bully stole from his middle sister. And he confronted the bully who had the towel that had not been washed in so long. And he stuffed the towel down the bully's throat, which as Naya said, a bully always gets their ass kicked or suffocates. (laughs) And I was waiting for Renee to just say, what do your sisters have to do with any of this? And then he says, Renee, can I do one more? First of all, he segued by saying, now I have an extended family called the WWE Universe. And then he looked straight into the camera so that he could tell his sisters he loves them. And Renee said, thank you. We are all looking forward to learning more about Bobby Lashley. What was this? Dude, I have no idea. Like uh, that's the sit down is one of the most hard to fuck up segments the WWE has. It's their one go to, especially with Renee. Yeah. And this I was just left puzzled. Yeah, you've interviewed Bobby Lashley. Like before before we left the the, the Fight Network, like we did a, a big piece similar to this. Tremendously uh, engaging individual. If you yeah. type in uh Bobby Lashley retrospective on YouTube, go contrast that to this. Well, I mean this this was I I don't know what they're working towards. There was like a an awkward amount of time spent on the man talking about his sisters and the the whole thing afterwards of him looking at the camera and telling his sisters I love you just felt really strange. Um like I can only suggest that they're make Maybe Owens and Zayn are going to kidnap his sisters. I don't oh, I don't god. know. Oh god. Oh god. Listen, I can't explain this. Why would this man spend this much time talking about his sisters? Oh, you know, you know some heel is going to get that towel. Oh, wow. All the way from And it'll the way be back. S- symbolic that they they have stolen the towel. Yeah, this was just uh not necessarily the reintroduction that I think I was looking for for uh, Bobby Lashley. This was so weird. Yeah. Like, one of the stranger segments I've watched in, in some time. It looked amazing. Like, the lead-up <clears throat> video I thought was perfect. The setting looked really nice. They clearly put a lot of money when, into this. When they went to that sit-down, I was like, this is going to be great. Yeah. Like, these 
they used to run these every week on the WWE site, and they were always better than what you'd get on television. And this one wasn't. Sami Zayn is with Kevin Owens in the locker room, complaining about the conspiracy against them. Owens complains about his match with Strowman. He's the victim. Zayn says that they want them to turn on each other, so let's not give them the satisfaction. They argued about the backlash match. Zayn says they need to seize a position of power by winning the Money in the Bank contract, and he apologizes over backlash, and he wants Kevin Owens to have his back in the triple threat match. Owens reluctantly agrees, walks off, and then he didn't have his back. No, that's right. Yeah. Jinder Mahal versus Chad Gable. The hits just keep on coming. Coach says that Gable reminds him of a young Kurt Angle. Great observation. Mahal hit the shoulder block that sent Gable to the floor off the apron. And then, Coach said, in the NFL with the new rules, that would be illegal. There was a long pause. And then Corey said, some very relevant analysis, Coach. So if Jinder were to have executed this shoulder block that sent Gable off the apron to the floor, had this happened on a gridiron, he would have a penalty. Mm. Gable Gable did the uh, Suzuki armbar and then went for a top rope moonsault, got a two count from that. Mahal hit a flying knee, pressed him in the air. Gable turned into a schoolboy for a near fall. Crowd didn't care. Kicked to the face. And Jinder hit the Coloss for the win in four minutes and 12 seconds. Oh, I, I did, did, did we not make a bet about this? Uh, did we? I don't know. I, I feel we said I said Jinder would get his win back within a certain amount of weeks, but I don't know when it was. Well, then I owe you whatever I promised to owe you because I, I was perplexed about this. They gave Chad Gable uh, a win last week over Jinder Mahal, one of Gable's biggest wins. And I thought, oh, they're going to be serious about Chad Gable. And the next week, they just gave it back to Jinder. I don't get, I don't get Vince at all. Like, man, what? Anyway. God damn it! I know who Roman needs to feud with. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we I won't mean, be able to print enough tickets. I have to imagine at some point they decided to change course and 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 figured Jinder was going to be the next guy for Roman because it certainly didn't seem to be the case last week. Nor the week their, before. Their idea that Jinder is so hated, mm-hmm. they'll, they won't have any other choice but to cheer Roman. It's yeah. like, if that is your thinking... That's what they thought with Brock, dude. And you've look at, totally lost your yeah. any kind of pulse on your public. If you think that this audience is going to just default, get behind Roman, because it's Jinder. Dude, they, they, this crowd was walking out in a match featuring Samoa Joe. Think about the reaction that a Jinder Mahal Roman Reigns main event is going to get. That's like even uh, the bathrooms will be, even if it's in, it's it's in the middle of the show the bathrooms will be fully packed for that one. I look forward to that reaction. But let let me just say I thought Gable worked his ass off here. Yep. Uh, clearly the man knew what the outcome of this match was going to be and probably did his best to uh, make the best uh, most of the time that he had on on Raw. Um, he worked so hard and, and did his best, I thought, to make up for Jinder's limitations. So I'm really disappointed to see that they're not serious about him after all. Um, man, you know, I hope he they have something else for him, that's all. I, I think it's just TikTok until he's on 205 Live. 
Yeah, yeah, I totally see that. Then afterwards, Gable pie-faced Sunil, so Mahal just beat the shit out of him. Um, to the point that I thought this was going to be setting up Jason Jordan's return. Me too. But no, he just left him for dead. I mean, Chad. listen, what is what is Jason Jordan doing, right? Like, yeah. that's not the worst idea. I, Yeah, I guess it depends what, what ideas they have for him. I don't know where you necessarily slot him in when he returns, but um, yeah, they might view... Jason Jordan is someone that they do have plans for because they clearly don't with Gable. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it would do them any favors to be just another tag team on the show. Alexa Bliss did a promo. Uh, she suffered a shoulder injury on Sunday night during the Nia Jax match. She said she's going to win the money in the bank contract and cash in on the bully Nia Jax and have someone for girls to really look up to. Then we got our selfie promo from the Ascension. And I was just amused. Uh, they are going to rot. They finished each other's sentences where Connor would set up Victor. We will rise to the top of the ladder and turn Monday Night Raw into the wasteland, which was done by the time this show was done. So mission complete. I feel like this was probably the most that they they were they had to do uh, probably in a while. Like these people came to this city. They got all dressed up. They spent who knows how long putting on that face makeup on to do a selfie video. But do you think when they got the format and saw that they had a promo on Raw, do you think that they questioned, is this right? Are we actually on Raw? Are we going to speak? Angle's in his office and he met with... How are they going to pay some of these off? Like, are the Ascension even going to get a qualifying match for the money in the bank? Maybe they'll do some some like battle royal for like the last spot or something and they'll just throw all the geeks in and then someone of note will win it speaking of geeks we had zach Ryder meeting with uh, kurt angle we were here in his hometown in long island so big night planned for zach he's not booked uh he wanted a qualifying match angle was uh about to turn him down when jinder showed up he wanted to be inserted into the three-way tonight and kurt said woo 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 the answer is no bro and then he had the most painful fist bump you have ever seen. Mm. Yeah. He was a father dad, and son. Dad fist bump, yeah. Heath Slater. And that was the last we saw of Zach on this show. God forbid we had someone come out in front of this crowd that they wanted to see. Well, Roman was about to come out. That's true. I mean, let's, let's concentrate it all in the main event. Heath Slater and Rhino took on Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. Rhino hit a short arm clothesline and then he yelled at the top of his lungs, Who's the man? You are, Rhino. You are the man. Of every single male species on this planet, you executing that clothesline, you are isolated as the man of everybody. McIntyre tagged in. We also went from a segment of Jinder to a match with Drew and Heath. The crowd then started chanting 3MB as Drew was in there with Slater. Ziggler super kicked Slater from the floor into an inverted Alabama slam by Drew. And then they did the Claymore zigzag combo to win the match in 237. Uh, Some good tag spots from Ziggler and McIntyre running through Rhino and Slater. Yeah, I thought a a strong exhibition win for Dolph and McIntyre as they established themselves in the division. I think McIntyre's done a great job of of conveying his more serious character, uh, which can be a challenge when you're 
uh, grouped into matches with the ridiculousness that you see on Raw. Um, I feel like Dolph and Drew are a team that still continues to show great potential. I, I mean, I already want the belt on them. Like, I think all they need is just they need to start branding branding themselves as a team. I think they need new music. That record scratch has no place like with a with a Drew McIntyre. Like seeing Drew McIntyre come out, okay, I'm 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 cool with like his like his entrance. It's totally fine. And then seeing him stand there for the record scratch, it's just they need to get rid of that. Give him some some new tights, some new music. For no reason at all. They had a whole video package just of Titus's slide at the Greatest Royal Rumble. It was the progressive um, sponsored thing that they do. Yeah, because if if there's one uh, one advertiser named Progressive, this would be the show you'd want to attach your name to, right? Oh, yes, of course. Elias was in the ring and proclaimed that he is on another planet than everyone else, which is not true. and Ran down Long Island, brought up Billy Joel, who was a boring hack, he called him. And he threatened to destroy Bobby Roode's vocal cords. The crowd started chanting Rusev Day. He started singing. He insulted the the New York Islanders. And then Bobby Roode came out, and they had a match. They went through a commercial break. Uh, there was a crossface. I'm, feel- I'm feeling your tiredness right now. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. As, as, no, I meant, I meant like as you were watching the show. This like, was me descending into yeah. a coma. This this match did a number on me. Yeah, I can't tell you anything uh, of significance that happened in this match. I just these two have a unbelievable chemistry that is sleep inducing for me. It's and it's I would chalk it completely to the characters and perhaps the build thus far. Like it's uh, I don't know. It's I I actually thought it was a pretty good hard hitting match for these two. Um, it felt like the, these two really were fighting over like a, a this concert that they both really cared about. Um, but it there are two characters that that simply I would say at least in ring in the case of Elias aren't very mm, popular. Graves explained that Elias is not a finesse guy, and Coach added, "Fundamentals are not his strong suit." Rude uh, countered a suplex attempt and hit the glorious DDT for the win. This went over ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Bobby Roode, uh, very much like a Nakamura, probably is not a guy who is going to come into his own until he turns heel, um, and get some Canadian, uh, some Canadian rappers to do his song. Cardinal, um, the Rascals, maybe a uh, Chocler, organized rhyme. Oh, I don't know if they can get Tom Green. That would be tough. Yeah, um, but anyway, <clears throat> I we I, I I thought there were glimpses of him turning heel after he lost the U.S. title to Randy Orton on SmackDown. Um, I imagine before the end of the year he will have that turn because right now he's just not doing it, in my opinion, as a babyface. Yeah, you know, you know what I could envision Bobby Roode is like him and Alexa being like this power couple together. Possible, yeah. Could you imagine Bobby Roode just cutting a scathing promo on Nia Jax? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, like, I think his heel promos are excellent. And, you know, he doesn't get to show that uh, in this current incarnation. Uh, like a fat-shaming promo, is that what you're suggesting? I don't think they go, they go, they'd go there, but... Uh, 
They kind of have, though. They're already there. Yeah, but like, it feels like a man fat shaming a woman is just it's so much worse. But they can. Sure. Charlie uh, then interviewed Bobby Roode, and she says, that victory had to have felt great. And he says, great? I would say that's an understatement. But he didn't, say, he didn't say glorious. He wants a qualifying match. Dana, please give me that $50,000. He did say glorious, actually. Oh, did he? Yeah. Sorry, tune the everything out. Michael Cole plugged Crisley Knows Best and the Cromarties, which, <laughs> fuck, Coach just has to chime in on fucking everything. Coach is a type of commentator who thinks the more he says, the better job he's doing. Oh, man. And that's certainly not the case with somebody like him. He says, I just binge-watched both. And Cole goes, sure you did, Coach. <laughs> uh, they also just give him so much shit for doing that Periscope show. Do you hear it? What, what is this Periscope show? I, do I even want to know? I don't know. He, he, I think he does it on Tuesday nights. Probably goes head-to-head with SmackDown. Uh, he does a Periscope show, and they just they mock him on this show for doing that. I mean, who uses Periscope anymore? Coachman. Yeah, I guess. Seth Rollins came out to try and just inject any kind of life into this audience. He said that the Miz took him to the limit, but then he stomped out the Miz's dreams of tying the all-time IC title record with, with nine reigns. The crowd started chanting, you deserve it. And Rollins paused to let them build it. He says Miz taught him what type of champion he does not want to be. He's a fighting champion. And he knows all about winning money in the bank, but that's not his focus. He wants to make the Intercontinental title the title. So he issues an open challenge to anyone. And it's answered by Mojo Rawley. Yeah. Who did you you expect? Um, Jason Jordan. Oh. Yeah, that possible. Uh, the crowd is chanting, we want Ryder. Mojo said, ha ha, fuck you. You know, they did chant, we want Ryder, and Mojo had a good comeback. He he uh, he had the microphone when they were chanting it, and Mojo uh, said something about how, I'm going to take care of you like I took out your... Ryder. Yeah, I took out Ryder, uh, because yeah. he used to be his tag team partner. I, I mean, I, listen, I think, again, for somebody like a Mojo Raleigh, this was might as well have been his WrestleMania. Like a match against Seth Rollins on Raw is not an opportunity this man often gets. So he definitely looked like you he mean, was trying hard. Um, sorry, yeah. You mean Monday Night Raleigh? Yes, Monday Night Raleigh, which is what the name he has rechristened the show. Mm-hmm. Michael Cole had to inform us why the audience was chanting for Zack Ryder in Long Island. And then gave us the backstory that Mojo and Zach used to be a tag team. So you're all caught up. We went through a break. Mojo ran him into the barricade with this shoulder tackle. Uh, clothesline sent Mojo to the floor and Rollins hit a pair of suicide dives and a blockbuster. Mojo avoided the springboard knee. The crowd is chanting, burn it down. Kicks him in the chest. Stomp gets blocked. Mojo then drives him up into the canvas chest first. Tackles him. Runs for the forearm, but is caught with a super kick. Revolution knee and the stomp, and Seth Rollins wins. A fine match. Um, yeah. Not, you know, the high end of what Seth has been doing, but a fine match that it, the audience got into, which is more than I can say for a lot of the matches on this show. 
Yeah, I mean, I I think in these open challenge types of things, you have a very strong champion, and I I almost see them as showcases of of the rest of your roster who doesn't typically get a chance to wrestle on Raw. And I thought Mojo in this type of opportunity probably did about as good as he could possibly do for somebody at his level. I thought he worked very hard, knowing that this was probably his most high profile match in months, maybe years. Um, Rollins is very hot right now. I love the fact that he came out here and said. My focus isn't on the money in the bank. I know everybody wants to be qualifying for this thing. I don't care. I view the IC title as a bigger priority than winning the universal title. And I think that's a great statement. I think it really really helps improve the value of the IC belt. So, you know, I'm hoping this is an open challenge that actually sticks. Because, I mean, not since uh, Cena with the US title open challenge. Have we had an, an open challenge that feels like it was consistent? People have tried, like Owens tried, AJ tried, but they all had their plans changed on him. So I'm hoping Rollins in his current role is sort of like the, the workhorse of, of the, the entire brand. I hope he gets to be consistent with this thing. They could do something cool next week in London, England with one of the UK guys answering the mm-hmm. challenge. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, who would you pick? Um. Tyler Bate just hurt his shoulder over the weekend at the Progress uh, Super Strong Style. Didn't Pete Dunn answer one of these? Yes, he did a. Oh, I I'm I'm blanking on what he it was. Did one of he, these? Yeah, yeah, he did one. What's up with Neville? Nothing. He's just his contract's frozen, so he's doing nothing. He should come back. Just ride out the contract. I mean, at this point, it's I, I guess he just has zero desire to do. Um, to to fill fill out the contract, like I mean, mm. guy was clearly miserable to the point he doesn't want to come back. But this is worse. It's always weird to me how they can just push this idea that your contract is frozen. It's it's strange. I don't mm. know how much that that holds up. But I'm not a lawyer. Finn Balor did a selfie promo. He's smiling because he's in a match tonight, and he likes to earn his opportunities and overcome the odds. And tonight, that will just make the victory. That much more sweeter. Cool, Finn. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt versus Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, who had an insert promo, and they're coming up with a new name, and they were saying, stay tuned. So we were left to believe that might be the new name, or we're supposed to stay tuned for the new name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really care either way. Are you Are you hitting my level now with this show? Um... With matches like this, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, this Hardy Bray Wyatt team, I mean, it's um it, it it's fine. It's just like again, this is what Raw is. When you're talking about a three hour show that's building up to your monthly wrestling, you know, big big program. It's it's all setting up, especially after WrestleMania, you know. So you have teams that are basically wrestling a lot of superstars, main event level types of exhibition matches. There was a twist of fate blocked, and Axel attacked Matt in their corner. Uh, he was event- eventually uh, able to tag in Bray, and Bo was in the ring. And as soon as Bray was tagged, Bo tagged out. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. They're not going to have them touch. Uh, and then seconds later, Bray just booted the shit out of Bo and knocked him to the floor. So they certainly, do, I mean, yeah, they certainly don't acknowledge their relationship uh, on, on camera. I don't even know if they have they ever even had a match. You know, uh, like a singles match together, yeah, or any any type of interaction in ring. Hard I'm for sure me to they have. Yeah, yeah, they must have. 
Double Sister Abigail is their new finish, and they pinned Axel in 240. Very quick, very basic matchup. Natalia cut a promo about being in the first women's Money in the Bank ladder match last year, so she wants to be in another. Baron Corbin cut a promo. He doesn't care about the others who are going to lose. He won last year. This year will be no different. Thank you. Yeah, the man who won last year and is now feuding with No Way Jose. Finn Balor, Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn was our main event match. Money in the Bank qualifying match. Reigns is in control at the start. The crowd was chanting same old shit. Then they brawled into the crowd. They were hating Reigns. A haluva kick knocked Reigns over the boards by the production equipment. And then Reigns took a coup de grace from Balor. So Reigns was left out in the wilderness as Zayn and Balor returned to the ring. And they just wrestled. And you're right, Wade. Like, this audience did not care. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like- I, I, think, I think they were just an exhausted crowd. But I think also that no one was buying that Reigns was not making a big return. That there's that, certainly that, but I, I mean, I think there's something to be said really about star power and somebody like a Sami Zayn and, and somebody like a Finn Balor haven't had the amount of attention put on them as somebody like a Roman Reigns. So when you look at the three talents just on a piece of paper, like there's no doubting that Roman, you know, the guy who's main evented multiple WrestleManias comes across like the biggest deal amongst the three. So when you take him and, and it was, this match was really interesting how they structured it because it was almost like you have. Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, uh, sorry, Finn Balor, yes, yeah, Finn Balor and Sami Zayn, forcibly removing Roman from the the, the arena mm-hmm. in order to tell this audience, hey, don't leave early. He's not going to be in this match. We please promise. Stay. Yeah, please stay and pay attention. But I was surprised to see the result, and the result was that the crowd was noticeably quieter when it was just Finn and Zayn. So as much as people hate Roman, I think they love seeing him getting get beaten up because the moment he came right back. And, and Finn kicked them. This this crowd came back alive again. Zayn ran into a sling blade on the floor, and then Balor ran into a boot from Zayn. And this is when Reigns came back from the dead, hit a drive by onto Zayn. Balor then sent Reigns into the steps, missed the coup de gras on Reigns, ate a Superman punch, and then Reigns goes to the corner to set up for the spear when he is tripped from the floor by Jinder Mahal, and Zayn takes out Roman with a haluva kick. Balor hits the running drop kick to Zayn, coup de gras, and pins Sammy at 15 minutes, 25 seconds. So Finn Balor qualifies, Sammy Zayn loses yet again, and Roman Reigns is married to Jinder <laughs> Mahal. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. Hmm. If they do that match... That's like, dreadful. That is a match that has to start a show, you know? Jinder versus Roman, okay, no one's going to leave, but... Listen, like you put that's that's tough. Like that with a with a tired crowd at the end of a show, it just can't happen. There's no other result than people leaving. So I imagine this is gonna happen on TV relatively soon, but Mm -hmm. there is there is a side of me that would love to see this company put that singles match in Chicago. Oh. The reaction would be amazing. It would be tremendous. Imagine that's the show in all in. The, the crowd would be all out oh, at this arena. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so Finn Balor qualifies for the Money in the Bank. Uh, I guess he's not going after Seth Rollins in the IC title, at least not until uh, the end of the Money in the Bank. So um, that that kind of interaction, I I think they had kind of reached yeah. a certain level. I'm fine to see Rollins move on to 
do this open challenge and then, you know, find somebody new. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I kind of like that Rollins is kind of off to himself. He feels like the hottest guy on the show at the moment. Yeah, me too. I think it really helps the IC title for him, for Rollins to come out and just say, hey, this is more important than, you know, being one of four, one of eight people in this Money in the Bank thing. So who's qualified so far? Braun and uh, Finn. And Bow. Finn. So we have two that have qualified on Raw, and then we've got two of the men's qualifying matches on SmackDown with Brian Rusev and Ms. Jeff Hardy and Peyton Royce versus Charlotte. Right. Do, do either of those, uh, you know, jump out at you as potential winners? Of the ones so far, um, I could, yeah. Um, I mean, they're all baby faces thus far, so. Yeah, it's it's kind of, I like the fact you're doing both brands in one match because it gives you better options of where you can go. You can do, you know, given if it's a heel or baby face champion on either brand. You also split uh, up the briefcases. I could also see, like, if they want to build up, uh, just a one of them being a quick cash in, like Braun cashing that in for SummerSlam hmm. could be could be a direction you go. Yeah, not Certainly. knowing what the other participants are, but uh, to me, like Brock and Braun would be my destination at this point. Yeah, yeah, and Absolutely. take Roman on this detour where he is your big heel, and then come the fall, um, you have you can have him back in that title picture. But I would spend the summer turning him and having a big feud with a Rollins or a Balor, not Jinder Mahal. Right, yeah. Like, if we're talking baby faces that might take the belt off of Brock Lesnar, I would, I mean, certainly would be Brock, sorry, Braun and Finn Balor that I think would be my top two at the moment. Like, if we're, if Seth is going to keep on with this IC title thing. Um, but of the two, certainly it has to be Braun. I just, I don't even think Finn is that hot yet to take the belt off of Brock Lesnar. No. Nor do I think they'll have him uh, beat Brock Lesnar at any point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what what do you foresee for Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank? So you think this gender match will take place on Raw and not? Uh, I I pray this is not the next six weeks of this feud mm-hmm. happening. Uh, but it, who knows? Yeah. Um. Uh, it could be gender. I'm trying to think who else the heel, what what the other heels are on. Rock. I guess. Do do you expect Brock to defend his title at Money in the Bank? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. Money in the Bank. Um, no, actually. Do you think we don't see him till SummerSlam? Yeah. Yeah, it's very it's very hard to um forecast what they will be doing, and also not knowing Brock's plans. Yeah, I don't think you need Brock for Money in the Bank. Um, nor is there really the expectation. I feel. I think the the draw is the ladder match, the two ladder matches. Um, And I just don't really know who the other challenges are. I think if you're going to do the Braun match, you save it for SummerSlam. Yeah, I I like that as the SummerSlam match. Mm -hmm. I think people would would get into that a lot. All right, let's go on over to feedback. Um, I guess you sound like you were more into the show than me. I was just worn out by a lot. I just felt there was a lot of inconsequential... If I was up since, since 8 a.m., I would probably feel the exact same way as you. The only uh, way, reason why I didn't was probably because I woke up a lot later. Well, I, I was fine when this show started. This show just, just wore me out. It was, um, I don't know. It's, it's a show that, yes, it did have um, all the qualifiers attached to it. You did have stories without, throughout this show, but I just found this was a show that uh, dragged more often than not. Um, but let us go 
and see what people said on the forum. And tonight's rating was a 5.15, a significant upgrade from Backlash. Mm-hmm. It's like almost like three times better. We start off with Tyler from Orlando. Good raw for me tonight. I thought it was well-paced and some things felt fresh. Both triple threat matches were great. Ruby Riot in particular really impressed me. I'm kind of bummed she's apparently not going to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match. I was convinced Jason Jordan was going to save Chad Gable from the beatdown from Jinder. I feel that has to either be a reunion or a program whenever Jordan returns. He has nothing else going for him. You know, if they showed any kind of um, interest in getting behind Chad Gable, I would say fine. But to me, it's then you're just diluting Jason Jordan now by attaching him to Chad Gable. So I don't really want to see that now. Lastly, I think the package on Bobby Lashley was way overdue, and it maybe didn't do him justice, but it was still good for WWE to make it to get the newer audience more accustomed to him. Yeah, I could see them, um, you know, putting them together only for them to feud. I think it's a good way to, you know, set that story up. J- right. Jordan and, and Gable, I mean. And and on Riot, I, I guess I, too, was a little surprised. I mean, Maybe not necessarily a surprise, but I think they could still make her the next challenger for Nia. Like, yep. just, just somebody for Nia to beat at Money in the Bank. Yep. Uh, it's kind of silly, though, you know? You, like, you lost the qualifier, but now you get a title shot. They're going to have to figure out some way to explain it, but I just can't really see who else Nia, Nia would face at Money in the Bank right now. We got an MJ who says, What was the Bobby Lashley package? The WWE is going full steam ahead with this bullying stuff. KO and Sammy remain the most fun part of any show they are on. Their chemistry, like Kale and Jericho, is just entertaining. It's entertaining, but like uh, at the same time, let's let's all realize it feels like they are just comic relief on this show. And yeah, I'm I'm, okay I'm, I'm not all that I'm not all that into what they're doing now. They they don't feel like they're being um, properly utilized to me. And I'm like the the tease tension between the two. I'm just kind of uh, been there, done that. It just feels like they're kind of just going in circles on the show for me. Jay from Colorado, that Bobby Lashley video package was fantastic until the interview portion. It was awkward, and the zoom in on Bobby's face as he said, I love you, to his sisters was so weird. It was kind of funny. What an odd package. I don't know what happened to Seth Rollins lately, but holy crap, he's been on fire. When he when he can carry even Mojo Raleigh to a good match, it says a ton. Let's all pray this travel schedule doesn't make him more susceptible to injury. Is there any scientific explanation for the widening of Rhino? He's not getting fatter or bulkier. It's like he's being pressed between two. It's like he's being pressed between two panes of glass. Uh, I don't know, Jay. Hey, that's a great question uh, for their medical experts. Um, it's because yeah. he's the man. He's the man. Yes. He's the men, perhaps. But you're All right. Like, into one. He's not fatter. Uh, certainly. I think he's, he's in better shape or he's still in good shape. I don't know about better shape, but he is like, I mean, I, I use this, uh, comparison before he's like somebody, uh, he's like a four by three image stretched to a 16 by nine <laughs> image. Oh God. And, and we talk about this company being bullies. This is, this Oh, is, come on. This is horrible. This is my uh, job here. Um, yeah, or, I, I don't think this is a revelation. I mean, Seth has always been. A really great talent, but you're right. There is a certain spark now that has been attached to him where um, he feels like a huge part of the show now. And the goofiness is going away in the promos. Yeah, yeah. They're they're keeping it short, and I think it's just... Like, he comes out now, and it just, like, it awoken this dead audience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's working very well. 
All right, we got a Dan from Long Island who was at the show tonight. Hey, guys, just got back from the show and thought it was all right at best. I thought the two triple threats were solid. The Braun and KO match was a lot of fun live. Who would have thought that Jinder Mahal would be the biggest babyface coming out on this show? My favorite part of the show, however, was Roman cutting the most honest promo of his career. He said he silenced the haters last night, and it was true. <laughs> <laughs> the fans can't boo when they've already gone home. Other than that, nothing was really all that memorable. We didn't get the Bobby Lashley package, but instead got an author's of pain squash and a beach ball mania went crazy tonight. The first time around, a crowd member stabbed the ball to death as several people threw food at him. Whoa. I can't stand the beach ball bullshit. It takes away from the show and hurts the overall live experience. Someone stabbed it. Yeah. With what? With a knife? Oh, well. I don't think so. Oh. Yeah. Kyle writes, the raw opening prom- promoting what they do for their universe is honestly quite funny because Backlash was the worst. This is a poem. Oh, it's a poem. Okay. Let's, let's redo this then. Does it rhyme? It's supposed to. I don't think it does. Um, the Raw opening promoting what they do for their universe is honestly quite funny because Backlash was the worst. 20 it's years. A, in, it's a stretch, but it does kind of rhyme. 20 years in the family? Is Kurt really that insane? The way he talks, the way he walks and talks shows trauma to his brain. Do you want to uh, double team this? Should we? You do two and I do two lines. Sure. This is way too late for me. Maybe we should do the ascension. Maybe we should just do like line by line. Like I do one line, you do one line. Sure. Okay, continue, please. No way Jose won't go away and Corbin won't as well. I wish they'd take the Congo line and ride it straight to hell. Who is the most boring, annoying of them all? The modern day sleeping pill. One gender. Mahal. Wait, is that Mojo Raleigh I saw? So lame, I need to vent. It's like they forgot about Raw and taped a four-hour main event. I think I'm giving up this hobby. If you ask me, I'd rather pop a blister. It's obvious Mr. Money, Mrs. Money in the Bank will be Bobby Lashley's sister. Blister and sister. Mm. Last one here, folks. Between last night's show and this, I must admit it sucks. It's not just like taking one. It's two kicks to the nuts. All right. Well, if we didn't butcher wow. that too much, thank you, Kyle. The genius, uh, Kyle. Yes. Uh, let's do one more way. Okay. Jalen from Pickering. I hate Coachman's commentary. If Lashley was so popular before, why do we need a video telling us about everything he's ever done? While WWE has finally found a way to make Dolph's record scratch work, it unfortunately comes at the cost of sucking all out all of the intensity from Drew's entrance. Between Backlash and this show, Raw is officially mediocre. Night Raw. Ooh. Jalen. All right. Well, thank you, folks, for that feedback uh, to this show. Um, let, let me leave on a positive note. I really enjoyed the women's three-way on this show. I thought that was very good. Um, I enjoyed that a lot. I'm just scrolling through my notes here. You don't, you don't need to. I feel like you're, you're trying to. No, I, I'm, I'm going back because I don't know what to, to make of this show. I thought Ember looked good. Uh, yeah, like you said, the women's three-way was, was uh, I thought, very good. Um. Mm. Braun and Owens was decent. That's about it. Um, yeah, I didn't Rollins. think this was this was all that great. Uh, Rollins was fine. Yeah, Rollins was fine. Alrighty, <laughs> we tried. I tried, folks. I tried. Well, we'll see about tomorrow. We got SmackDown. I'm already excited because it's 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 only two hours. What is the verdict on 205 Live? Way? I think we're we're gonna skip this one. Let's okay. See if we miss it. 
Okay, we're going to talk about SmackDown on Tuesday night, and then who knows what else we uh, we will discuss. Uh, so that is all coming up. As we mentioned, we've got new episodes of Keep It 2000 and Up Next coming out this week. Friday, go to postwrestlingcafe.com, and you can sign up now, and you will get this week's review of the Survivor Series, 1996, headlined by Shawn Michaels versus Psycho Sid, the return of Bret Hart as he takes on Steve Austin, and the debut of Rocky Maivia. Man, I'm I'm excited for this one. Have you started? I have not. Neither. I I I've watched the first two matches. I okay. have barely started. So that is my viewing over the next few days. And also uh, if you uh, join at the Post Wrestling Cafe last week we re- released two extra shows uh and one of course was our monthly ask away where we answer all of our patrons questions. It took us about an hour and a half this time and we enjoyed every second of it. Uh, as well, we have a review of the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dontaku shows, of which uh, if you were dissatisfied by uh, any of the WWE offer- offerings this week, I encourage you to go check out those shows. Yeah, go check them out. And if you sign up, you get access to all of our archive shows up at the Post Wrestling Cafe. So go check that out. Uh, we will be back. Uh, go to postwrestling.com. Anything else, Way? Any closing thoughts? I'm going to watch the Avengers tomorrow. Again. Again? Yeah. Wow. You're going back. All right. Well, uh, let me know if I missed anything. <laughs> I watched Captain America, by the way, on the weekend. Oh, what did you think? I watched the, the first I feel, one. I feel bad. I made you like this. <laughs> go back to watch. No, I, w- I was home on Friday, and I was searching for something to watch, and I saw all the Captain America movies are on Netflix, and I said, you know what? I'm going to fucking watch this movie, because then I'll, I'll really be able to hold a conversation with Wei Ting next time. <laughs> And this uh, this Steve Rogers fella, first of all, I had no idea uh, that the Captain America, the first movie is called Captain America, the first Avenger. <laughs> Why? Why would you? Oh, because... well, well uh, I, I was going off of uh, my discussion that I barely even knew this guy was an Avenger. So mm-hmm. uh, he was a trailblazer. Um, what I can recall is I have seen I had watched the first 20 minutes of that Captain America movie, but I never finished it. But I watched the entire thing on Friday. I see. I liked it. It was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. Have you seen any of the other Captain America movies? No, no. Are you positive about this? Uh, I, I am 95% sure I've not seen any of the other Captain America movies. I have 100% not seen the one that George St. Pierre is in. Because it has been said to, to, to us that we have, in fact, had a discussion about Captain America Civil War in one of our shows. Oh, really? <laughs> Someone would have to find that. I seriously, I, I looked at the description of it. I was like, I'm pretty sure I've not seen this movie. Okay. Well, when you get around to that one, uh, I look forward to it. Maybe this will be a weekly thing. John Pollock reviews Captain America movies. No, I doubt it. Okay. That wasn't quite the review for me either. <laughs> Alrighty, that's it. Goodbye, everybody.